0: welcome to the lost boys podcast i'm tandy and today i'm joined by a very special guest say hi J- uh Jibass. is it jabas
1: uh Jeebus jibas is what usually <laughs> what i'll say but you know what either way
0: all right so uh Jeebus is a twitch streamer who i actually watched play a different game uh, Why do not you tell everybody kind of where you come from and uh, and what it is you do
1: yeah so um, you know I like most people that end up in in kind of the card game space I played magic um, for a lot of years and um there was a a new cool auto battler that had come out that was made by you know a bunch of a bunch of magic pros and um I sort of got sucked into that and I started a twitch channel um you know after I had gotten qualified for their uh, sixteen player like invite only uh very one of the really early on tournaments and um I ended up doing pretty well um, overall with the game, and and the Twitch channel grew quite a bit, um, pretty fast, kind of out of nowhere. I was a partner in you know less than six months, nice because um, the channel had grown so much. You know, I, I had made the website, um, SBB Hub. I was writing articles, and you know it was a a, a lot of fun. Um, you know, anybody that's familiar with the Storybook Brawl whole scenario knows that that kind of fell apart a little bit abruptly. Um, so I'd been looking for something new, um, and there hasn't really been much development in the auto battler space or really many new card games coming out of nowhere. Um, but I actually work at a card store and, you know, we keep up on whatever is new and hot and all of a sudden Lorcana started becoming closer and closer to a, a in paper option. And that seemed kind of cool to check out. Um, and here we are.
0: Yeah, so you you speak of storybook brawl. This was not a battler that I also played. Um, Me and my wife loved just sitting on the couch and Taking turns playing and talking about, you know, what to take, what to pick and stuff. And for those of you who never played an auto battler before, it's essentially drafting in Magic the Gathering, but then you the game has an engine that plays the game for you and you just win a percentage of the fights based on like your stats versus theirs and your special abilities versus theirs. And, um, and like your goal is to organize your pieces in such a way that they gain maximum effect. And, um, uh, I watched Jeebus actually stream. You know, maybe not every day, but like every other day for a year or something. It was, it was like quite a while. And I got really into into that game, me and Callie both. But, uh, but now we're, we're both into this new game, this Disney's Orkana game. And I'm, I don't know about you, man, but I've been having a blast just learning all the cards and figuring out like how to uh, update my starter decks and, and like me just playing some kitchen table, uh, gaming with uh, my friends and family, man. It's been a, a delight.
1: I've been doing more just like card trading. Like here's my binder. Yes! You know, what's your binder Then I probably have. I'm going to have a sick years. binder at the
0: next event yeah. I'm going to for sure.
1: Exactly. No, I think it's really good. And it, the engine is very interesting and, and deep. And there's always like a new card that somebody will have in their deck and, and do some interesting combo with. And it's like, huh, that's kind of cool. I wonder what, you know, else could be explored with that or, or where that could go down the road.
0: Yeah. Um. You know, that that was one thing that drew me in. Like, You know, a few of my friends talked about the game quite a bit leading up to its release. And I was actually at Gen Con uh, when they had like the big hullabaloo about it and tons of people lining up to get product and they run out every day like four o'clock or whatever. It was honestly just like kind of eye opening in in terms of just how many people physically want to play the game. I thought it was just going to be another flash in the pan. Uh, And then I played the game. I I just sat down with my buddy, Braden and he taught me how to play, and he had some starter decks, and we played some real games, and they were close, and and my decisions mattered. And I knew that this was, like, very low-powered versions of what we're going to be doing when we're actually playing the game in tournaments and stuff. But those are already starting, and while there are some card woes, like, you know, retailers not having enough product to actually sell people, uh, people are actually, you know finding the cards they need through singles online, and they're building decks and they're running tournaments. And we actually had a really nice tournament last week. We had a $1,000 uh, open in Tennessee that uh, a friend of mine, Luna Love went and a uh, top four split Mason eSports Clark friend of the channel was also there and did reasonably well, but the talk of the, the whole town then was this Ruby Amethyst Control deck that took six out of the top eight slots. What's your take on the Ruby Amethyst Control deck?
1: You know, I think that's sort of the deck that I gravitated to to start as well. You know, it's got all of the best sort of, you know, your, your Flame Kabu, your thing that comes into play and, and de- d- destroys another thing and then also gives you a body and your your sort of... Um, direct kill effects in your dragon fire and it, it has the only real true unconditional board wipe in the whole game yeah. But the game's only 204 cards you right know? so since we're, we're we're basically playing like a block constructed where we've only seen one of the sets in the block so while the card pool is pretty small like this all of the best control things you kind of just cram them into a thing and then you just Usually that's pretty good. Yeah, at least you, as a tier zero option for sure. Yeah, you just beat
0: your head against your opponent with your really strong cards until they finally submit, right? Like exactly, Maleficent, Monstrous Dragon, nine drop, iconic. Right, comes in, blows yeah. anything up. I mean, you you don't you really can't get better than that. They have not made a card that's better than that.
1: No, it's the best. <laughs> it's the best thing at that. the the highest end option. It's yeah. just it comes in, it kills something. And you get just this massive body, you know, a seven five it rumbles with almost everything else.
0: Yep, and a equ- you know quest for you. Yep, yeah.
1: it's great. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, and it's
0: inkable too, which a lot of those really expensive cards are not inkable, and in that it makes them yeah. like pretty undesirable sometimes, or at least in, in high numbers. I know that when I was playing a bit with uh, Ruby Amethyst so far, uh, I was having trouble getting four Rafiki into my deck because so many of my sixes and sevens and eights are non-inkable, and so I was ending up with almost 20 non-inkables in my deck, so you have to make some cuts somewhere. So I'm cutting back, like, one here, two here on everything just to make sure that I can hit my ink drops on time.
1: You know, and and that's another reason, too, that the Ruby Amethyst deck is so powerful is the only cards that are absolutely necessary that are non-inkable, you really want those cards anyway. You know, you probably aren't going to be inking your Be Prepareds because that's your board wipe. Like, you need those to win, yeah. generally. You know, Dragon's Fire is just, like, an unconditional answer to anything. You kind of just need those anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, or Magic Mirror, where you're, you're you know, that's your, your jammed Atome effect as a, as a magic allegory, but that is just drawing cards. That's a thing that you need to be doing, you know, to refill your hand. So you got a lot of non-inkables, but for the most part, you don't need them right away. You just ship them out in the mulligan, you know, try to draw other stuff, and then you can afford to play things like, you know, a couple of Rafikis or whatever, which is an incredible anti-aggro card. It's another reason that the the color combo is so good together.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Amethyst was given the, the bulk of cards that say draw a card on them, from Friends on the yeah. Other Side to the Magic Mirror, uh, you know, even Ursula. There, there's that theme of drawing a card, Maleficent Sorceress, all throughout. And a, yeah. a few other colors have you know, little things here and there that draw cards, but it's pretty clear that uh, amethyst is the card advantage color, and its yeah. threats are also just like pretty powerful too. With Ursula seven drop and a um, drop, a oh, drop Elsa. You know, these are things that pair really nicely with the efficiency that uh, Ruby offers as well at the top end. Be prepared as well as the Maleficent Monstrous Dragon. These are just like natural payoffs to playing a deck that has a bunch of built-in card advantage from all of these
1: effects. Yeah, and it's hard to not mention Maui as well. Yeah. From the Ruby side, that card is uh, unbelievably hammer. powerful. Yeah, It's just... inkable, which is already almost unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's a six-five, which just it just dumps almost everything that you would want to kill. You know, and the fact that it has rush is just even better. It's just like Rafiki on steroids just rumbles in and just just is your problem solver. And a lot of times it's gonna live to either be a constant reminder of hey, don't challenge, you know, sorry, don't quest because don't I'm gonna challenge you. Yeah. Or you know they might just have to throw a second body into it that's an easy 2 for 1 right there
0: yeah all right uh so that that's kind of the the level 0 of the format right yeah. now is the racto or not ractos the uh ruby amethyst control deck card advantage big big you know bombs that pay you off uh the sweeper effect in uh be prepared uh you know it, Now we're looking at different ways that we can combat combat the strategy, and the one way that I've been attacking it, and we actually did a uh, Lost Boys versus on this last week, I fought against uh, our friend uh, Bowmap, and he was playing the uh, Ruby Amethyst control deck, and I was playing my version of Amber and Steel... I call it Stitch Blitz, but, you know, for the the most part, it's just uh, a rush deck. You play a bunch of cheap things. You try to refresh with uh, Stitch Rockstar or a Whole New World. Uh, You can use Aerial Fantastic Singer to find it as well as sing it for cheaply uh, before it's supposed to be able to be played. And if you're able to just empty your handful of one-drops, it's a great way to just run over these decks that are very efficient in how they interact with you with their characters like Rafiki and uh, Maui and a number of other things. And um, that to me is like the next step. And um, and and it's definitely where I'm at for like my first deck. And I've already built it. I'm acquiring physical cards for it. Uh, we're getting there. And, uh, and I played it against you actually in Lost Boys versus yeah. number two, which uh, should have been out earlier this week. Uh, what is your take on Amber Steel as an overall strategy and uh, which builds do you like best?
1: Yeah, you know, I think so. We were, we were talking a little bit about card advantage and things that draw cards, and I, it's hard to say if if Amethyst or Amber has better engines for like generating cards. You know, there's like Rapunzel's and and you know the the four cost Hades, the Gravedigger type effect to just yeah. get a card back. You know, and then both of the stitches, the Carefree Surfer and the the Rockstar, can just generate just a huge amount of cards. So that rather than being really stymied on resources by playing that aggressive, you know, play stuff to the board, you don't have to. You can, you can refill your hand a little bit with, with, you know, while you're still putting all this pressure on yeah. the board. So, And it costs way less. You know, you, you think about the be prepared as this, oh, this is my unconditional answer. It costs seven. Seven's a lot.
0: It does. And know? one cost Lilo starts chewing you up uh, on the first turn, you know, that thing's scary.
1: It's tough. I mean, you know, we, we we talk about the Goons a lot. You're seeing more and more of these, these Amethyst Ruby decks having to play a lot lower to the ground. You know, they'll still have their Be Prepareds, their Maleficence, um at the top end, but, you know, I'm seeing six to eight Goons. I'm seeing, you know, more two drops, like your Donald Duck kind of thing, just like a 2-3, um, you know, the full play set of Rafiki's and that kind of stuff, just to be as low to the ground as they can because they have to fight. They they have to scrap in these spots. Otherwise they just get just like what happened in the verses, you know, I had a lot of answers, but by the time that I was able to sort of stabilize, you were at 18, 19 lore. <laughs> and
0: then you have to kill every single thing I played. You play have to for kill literally everything yeah.
1: for the rest of forever. And you just don't have the cards. They just don't exist in the game to be able to do that forever. Um, you can do it for a couple of turns, but eventually something's going to stick long enough to, to quest and then you're going to be dead. Um, so it, it is just this very interesting way. And there's multiple ways to build that sort of steel amber as well. There's yeah, which that. I
0: really like. I, so I really liked your build. So why don't you tell us about the build you played in Lost Boys versus Number 2, uh, where we fought earlier in the week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it, it takes inspiration a bit from... Um so the player that is the number 1 on Pixelborn they're miles ahead of everybody else as far as their um their their ranking but basically they've just been playing a version of the deck that uses a lot less low to the ground threats you know they're they're relying more on like Captain Hook and Prince Eric is just uh, really more mid-rangey so they can
0: interact with the opponent.
1: Exactly, very mid-rangey and they play stuff with big butts. You know, they're out here playing things like Cerberus which is just you know, a five cost five six is just it's very enormous. Large. Yeah. It is enormous. You know, they're they're relying on uh beast to destroy opposing magic mirrors and other um strong like pocket watches and things like that. So that really attacks the control um element. Uh and then they're they're focusing on things like Tinkerbell. Um, you know, the little Tinkerbell just being a two-four, which is pretty good. Um Big Tink, which obviously is awesome. You know, it does one damage to everything that the opponent is doing, and you can shift it out early yeah. so you're able to, to play catch up against those, you know, go low to the ground. Lilos don't really stand much of a chance if you're just blasting the whole board for one damage.
0: No, I agree. Um, and uh one thing I really like about Big Tink is uh, when you do shift it, not only do you have the ability to challenge stuff immediately that it's exerted on your opponent's side, mm-hmm. so you can do... The quick hit has a four or five that eats something, and then you get to do two more damage, which ultimately ends up killing a, a three willpower minion without much you know difficulty but if your opponent is spray and pray with with characters early on you can shift on 4 and then you can sing grab your sword and then that ends up yeah. doing 3 to everything combined with the tinkerbell ability and there are a few creature rush decks that can withstand something like that and grab your sword has just been such a kick in the teeth for me every time i play against it
1: yeah the the shift tank into grab your sword it just we it is it is essentially just a board a one-sided board wipe it just blasts everything that the aggressive opponents are doing. And it is, and you're still left with the big tank, you know, which is a big problem. Um, the, the fact that now they can't play a single thing, reasonably quest for that and play something else because you do get to do that extra damage. It's, it's brutal. And then leveraging Rapunzel, which is one of the strongest card draw spells probably yeah. in the whole game. I mean, and it, that's it's... reflected in the price too. It's the most expensive card in the, in, the whole uh, wow first chapter. I didn't know that. It's like That's $62 awesome. Two dollars right now or something.
0: <laughs> I know a lot of cards shot up in price over the last week, but I, I was hoping that the prices would come down because of the big box stores getting access to to product. But I mean, people just really want these cards, and they really want to play. I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm I've heard that this week there's going to be more deliveries at the big box stores, like I like my local Target, um, Best Buy, etc they haven't even gotten their stuff yet. It hasn't been yeah. put out at all. When so, I went to my I,
0: Target, it had they had sleeves. That was all they
1: had. Yeah. Well, so it's like supposedly GameStop's are maybe going to get them on like the 8th, so that's Friday cool. that they can put it out. You know, we'll we'll see how the the numbers shake out in the next couple weeks if if the game stores, the local LGSs start getting a little bit more product, but Uh, You know, if you want to play competitively, there are just certain cards in each color that are really important because they're just so strong. All right. So uh,
0: it's funny that you say that because I actually do want to go ahead and talk about the six colors that we do have in Lorcana and the best card in each of those colors so we've already talked a little bit about uh ruby amethyst as well as amber and steel let's go one by one on each color and we'll talk about each, the card that we each think is maybe the best card in that color and i think we're gonna have some pretty differing opinions on this so sure. uh we'll start with you Jeebus. uh let's go ruby first the big red okay. what's your favorite out of big red
1: so in red right now. Let me do a quick scan of it here. So there's kind of the obvious, like your your Maleficent nine, very very powerful. Um, I would say that probably that the secretly best card is Maui. Yeah, Maui. awesome. Yeah, and and the reason that I'm saying that it's not necessarily it's it's you know price. It's just a rare. It's still a pretty expensive rare, but. I think that Maui can go in aggressive decks as well. It can go in, you know, like an uh, an invasive, maybe uh, Emerald Ruby pile as a way to um, fight opposing things. It can always be inked. So that's always, you know, if they're a control deck and you don't have to worry about it, doesn't matter. Throw it in the ink, no big deal. But it can be a huge blowout in an aggro matchup where they're not expecting you to just boom, you know, throw down the hammer here with Maui. I think it is... Very, very good. And I think coming in the next sets, it will be played a lot.
0: No, I I completely agree with you. I I think Maui is uh, easily my favorite card in Ruby. Um, But for my best card in the color, I think you just have to go with the pinnacle, the unique factor, and you have to go with Be Prepared. You know, there's just not a whole lot that can compare with it in the game other than grab your sword and dealing two to everything versus a clean sweep of everything is significantly different. Uh, you know, it's a song, so you get to sing it with seven-cost Ursula every now and then before you start deploying your eights and nine drops over the next few turns. So I think that uh, both cards excellent and indicative of the color's identity in the game, um, and uh, both very, very strong in their own right. It'll be uh,
1: interesting to see how Be Prepared as a song for seven You know, what if they print a a sing seven card, you know, some, some four or five drop that, that can sing even more aggressively or an item that allows you to sing higher than what your, your value is, right? Who knows? You could be seeing people be prepared on turn four or five. That makes the card a lot stronger. Yeah, and we also
0: see occasionally you see uh, Sapphire mixed with Ruby so that you can use those ramp elements and cast uh, your be prepared a turn or two ahead of schedule. Yeah. And then, you know, you already have all that uh, ramp out. And so you can play six, seven, eight, nine drops without much trouble. Uh, Mickey Mouse Detective was a card that when I first saw it, I thought oh, this card's excellent. The more I played with it, one power felt pretty weak and, uh, or one strength felt pretty weak not being able to challenge uh, characters too easily, but the more that I mixed it around with different uh, colors to, you know, use it to sing songs or using ways uh, to give it more strength so it can actually challenge stuff, I've, I just found that anybody that can ramp is just powerful. And especially because you can go right from three to five Mickey mouse into Maui is actually a pretty great opener, uh, especially on the play against a deck that plays bodyguards like Simba or three cost Hercules.
1: I, I've even had a few opportunities where an opponent did just in time and they put down like the, uh, uh, the four or five bodyguard. Oh um, yeah.
0: The Maximus
1: G- Maximus. Yeah. You know, and they're like very safe normally, and you're just like Maui smash. (laughs) It's it's brutal. Yeah, hard beating.
0: So uh, we'll keep going with amethyst since we're we were talking about the ruby amethyst deck. What is your best card in amethyst?
1: Amethyst is a tricky color because there's it's kind of split. The whole the whole pile is split between like your very big sort of high-end cards, and then there's, you know, like your Maleficent biding your time, some of these really low-end, um, you know, kind of splits there. I, you know, my my gut reaction is to say something like Broom, just because it's very good with the first 204 Ooh, cards. Yeah. But the card I actually think that is my favorite is the White Rabbit's Pocket Watch.
0: Really? Okay, so my... I, I, I want to talk about Pocket Watch a bit. Uh, so... What do you think uh, gives Pocket Watch so much of its strength? Like, is it specific minions that you're trying to, to give Rush? Or just is it just Rush in general so that you can challenge things
1: and protect yourself? So the, it's, it's kind of a couple different things. So Rush is really strong. You know, the, Rafiki would be pretty mid without it, right? <laughs> Maui would be kind of disappointing. It would be good, but it would be kind of disappointing without Rush. Yeah. You know, the ability to come down... Uh, and, and challenge right away is very strong. You know, you combine that with um, Mickey Mouse, the Wayward Sorcerer, plus Brooms. You know, I've had situations where I have three pocket watches and plenty of ink. You know, you play your Mickey, Broom, give it rush, smash in, put it back in your hand, Broom again. You know, you're, you're tucking three, four cards in with a single Broom in the mirror. They're not going to be able to recover. That's too many Brooms for them to deal with. Uh, or like Aladdin, or Elsa, or even even your Maleficent Dragon in those control decks, being able to do your effect, but then also challenge at the same time, it can be really backbreaking.
0: Now, do you suggest people play like three or four of the pocket watch in their deck, or do you think this is like a one or two of tech card that you don't you want to draw sometimes? Now, it is inkable. I want to say that that's a big it plus is for it. Big big it plus. is a big
1: plus for it. You know, Magic Mirror is incredibly strong, and especially with the first two hundred four cards, it has a lot more value there because there's just so many so few ways of drawing cards. But the pocket watch being able to be inkable makes it more available to play a couple of them you know mm-hmm. if you can't ink it you need to be a little cautious of how many that you play you know you don't want to draw them in huge multiples early on because it doesn't really do a lot you know it's okay but the fact that you can ink it i've gone up as high as three copies in some of my control lists
0: awesome yeah i know that you used that to whoop me in our versus video the other day a bit given uh seven drop aladdin Rush so it can challenge something
1: and steal two lore immediately is just so gross it's pretty it's pretty nice you yeah. know you can combine it with the a drop Elsa once you have enough ink you know you tap their things you you smash in it, it's it's nice yeah but the inkable I think is what really sets it apart as being like this is a card I think is going to continue to be good, even in other types of, of decks like this um, yeah. especially with the cards that do Gain you lore when you challenge. Um, there's the Tikah from steel, the, the six drop, yep, which also does a similar effect where you combine them together, you can gain lore. There's not a lot of instant speed ways, you know, this turn I gain lore from not having anything on the board, right? So but the these that, do
0: challenge and do it, it's really cool,
1: yeah, yeah. All right,
0: uh, all right, that's cool. I love pocket watch. Uh, I, I'm going to be experimenting with it more in other color combinations to see if giving rush to other big minion or big characters is, is worthwhile. Uh, my favorite card in Amethyst, and this is perhaps a controversial opinion. I want to hear what you have to think about this. Uh, I'm a big fan of Maleficent Sorceress, the three drop that draws a card. It's only a 2-2, but it is inkable. And boy, does that thing sing some songs. Friends on the other side, Mother Knows Best, uh, you know, and it's still a 2-2, so it can challenge a goon.
1: I mean, I don't think that I've have any amethyst deck in any aggro control any combination that doesn't start with four malicious and sorceress and four friends on the other side yeah you're darn right because they are just you know butter and jelly over here (laughs) you know you play you draw a card the next turn like you could quest if you want or you can you know just fight if they're really aggressive you know challenge what they've got going or you just sing boom draw two more cards like it just keeps the cards rolling Any card that replaces itself is always worth a look when there's so few cards that give you any sort of advantage. Right. And being just card neutral is fine. That's not bad at all.
0: Yeah, um, I I love it. Um, I actually had a lot of fun building and playing with uh, Amethyst Emerald deck that utilized it to sing both Mother Knows Best and Friends on the other side. Yeah. And then we use Lady Tremaine at the 6-drop to bring them back so we get some extra juice out of them. And, uh, you know, that combined with Genie on the Job allows you to just have some, like, serious board control without yeah. uh, losing any real equity. And uh, I just think that finding things to sing with bodies like Maleficent Sorceress at three is is the key to making cards like that good. Because yeah. same way with Mickey Mouse Detective, you want to play it alongside either Mother Knows Best or Friends on the Other Side. So the body has some value outside of its uh, strength and willpower, which are lacking, if I'm being realistic. Um, It's
1: fine. It's got an okay body, but it's not spectacular.
0: Right. All right. So, uh, since we were talking about Amber and Steel decks earlier, we'll continue on with our best card in each color. Uh, Let's go, Amber. I want to hear your best card in Amber and why.
1: Ooh, Amber's tricky. Best card is so tough because it's just such a loaded color. All right. Favorite card. Doesn't have to be best card. The stitches are great. I mean, Rapunzel is just amazing but honestly i think my favorite card is good old Hades. the
0: uh i don't want to ruin your life right now it's pronounced hades and i i was okay i just want (laughs) to i just want to make that clear before we went any further you can keep calling it Hades. that's fine but oh i
1: i will it that sort of comes from the uh the uh the roguelite um, is that a twitch meme you're doing a twitch meme on me right now maybe maybe i okay. mean it could be my own personal life meme who knows my whole life just feels like a meme <laughs> sometimes um but i i think just his effect the the looping of of that that grave digger effect as putting the card back in your hand i mean you you saw it firsthand it was oh, yeah. awesome i played it it's myself quite,
0: it. right and uh hades grabbing another hades out of the graveyard also just feels very
1: strong right how do, you, how do you stop that as a control deck? Like, what are you going to do about it? You I mean, can't be prepared it enough. It's not possible.
0: You can uh, use your brooms to
1: shuffle their Hades and their graveyard back into their deck. You could do that. <laughs> you know, like, Sapphire has the best answer to it, which is just you ink them, and then they're just gonzo, yeah. you know. But does that really feel great? You're just... I'm going to no. use my awesome removal spell on your 3-2 your with, with yeah. one lore, like... I think the
0: the best way to do it is to you just have to find ways to quest so that their three twos have to keep challenging you instead of, you know, I don't know, it's but that still feels bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does. There's just not a lot to do about it. That's why Hades is great. I agree.
1: Okay, really, really good.
0: My sleeper pick, sleeper pick for best card in Amber. You're not going to like it. It's uh, Stitch, new dog, the one
1: drop. I think he's great. I think he's the best goon by far.
0: Yeah, he's the only goon that can be shifted onto because he's a named character. And uh, he's in the best character for goons because he lets you shift Stitch Rockstar. And now some people might say Stitch Rockstar is the best card in Amber. And I would be inclined to agree with most people on that. But I think that Stitch Rockstar would be significantly worse without Stitch New Dog because I shift onto that Stitch more often than I cast it for six. And I think that that's like a huge deal.
1: I'll, I'll, the fact that it like the, the Rockstar 10, this is another, you know, your kind of instant speed out of nowhere. Let's lore for a little bit more than they were expecting. Yeah. You can go from your one from the Stitch New Dog all the way up to three for just four ink. That yep. is a huge jump, you know, yeah. a, and a very unexpected. Normally, the, the way that you sort of combat uh, in, a, in a close race to challenge, to, to not have to challenge as much as possible and be able to quest you know so that you can still win but they can't quite get there is you you can keep the lore pretty tight you got to count what's on the board that's all you can do if they all of a sudden you know add another 2 or 4 even if they if they double it up you're going to get blown out very easily
0: yeah i've won a couple games already just being very close to the cusp and then drawing citrox Rockstar to quest for 3 and it just actually wins the game on the spot yeah and absolutely. that's that's not even com- talking about the rest of the ability on the card that just lets you go ballistic with a bunch of ones but I think Amber is the most aggressive color with uh, a one-drop Lilo that allows you to quest for two. Uh, you have Simba Bodyguard to help protect. And I think that Stitch is in all forms, uh, mostly the, the first two, the New Dog and the Rockstar. But Stitch in all forms are a major part of Amber's construction right now and will be for some time to come. And I, I think it's pretty clear that Stitch is the best goon. And I actually think because of Rockstar, it's the best Card in Amber, just because it allows yeah. for the
1: the six drop to be cast for four. I can see that for sure. Very very reasonable pick there.
0: All right, next up we have Steel. What's your favorite Steel card? Because I got a real doozy
1: for you. Ooh, favorite Steel card. Let me let me let me scan through it real quick here, because there's a lot that I think are pretty nice. Um, like honestly. For the the decks that I typically had been playing with Steel, like Prince Eric is surprisingly very strong.
0: That's the one that has challenged their minion or the character dies?
1: No, Prince Eric is a 1-3 for 2 that has challenge 2. Which is very, very powerful. Um, As a, a, you know, this is a defensive thing that you can, it still has enough health that you can get Rapunzel and that whole deal. Um, It's probably, honestly, for me, Beast, uh, hard-headed just because of the way yeah because of the the way that um like thinking about your your tier zero decks you know your your ruby amethyst deck the way that it's able to gain card advantage is with magic mirror or pocket watch or you know sometimes it's the the untap effect that the the shield will give you out of ruby yeah
0: shield of virtue
1: there's the shield of virtue there's not a lot of things that that banish items there's two things really it's beast hard-headed and then there's the i think it's bash uh, uh it is smash bash break, break. break. yeah some banish chosen item it's a it's a two-cost um action gonna give Candlestick stick a heart attack out here yeah but the beast is just it's a pretty reasonable body four four can quest for two and, and it's it inkable is one of the few and it's inkable and yeah. it's inkable so in matchups where they're not playing items whatever it's ink that's fine or yeah. it's just a it's just a random body and that's okay too. but the matchups where it destroys items and it's good it's just insane it just yeah. du- just dumps them because they're like, oh, I'm gonna put my thing down I'm gonna be able to draw cards you destroy it and oh so their whole po- game plan is trash. my pocket
0: watch is about to threaten all your stuff with rush Mm-mm. yeah no, and then
1: no. boom nothing and then they wasted all the resources on it and you're still f- it's it's the ability to play it but also it's forge your game plan while disrupting theirs and that's why I think it's really strong.
0: Yeah, those uh, interplay abilities that that break stuff or, you know, that just have an effect on the game that matters from, you know, Hades 7 that puts a creature into the inkwell from Maleficent 9, you know, that the destroys it, banishes it, or Genie on the Job, which just puts it back in their hand for six. Yeah. These are all cards that are just like top of their game in all these colors because of uh, their ability to do something when you play them so they double at, not only as a character that can quest, but also as a, a pseudo spell that does something important. And Beast killing uh, an item is a big deal. Now, I agree. I think that's cool. I actually have yet to play Beast. Uh, actually, that's not true. I played him once in the precons. He didn't kill anything. He was just 4-4. Now, I do want to tell you one card, and it's uh, it's been my favorite card since I saw it. The art for it really hit me in a weird way. And uh on a booster pack opening earlier in the week, I actually opened this one. So I want to show it to you and I want to give I want to get your honest reaction of this card, okay? You ready?
1: I'm ready for Big Tank. Ooh, even better. Yeah, we got it's the great.
0: old uh, enchanted foil Giant it's Fairy nice. Tinkerbell. It was so cool. I left out of my seat. I was so excited about this. And uh
1: such a good card. And think about how many times you've opened magic booster packs that you've been that excited about something too. Yeah. Like if in years it's it's hard to be that excited about something, and you're like, oh man, I got this Tinkerbells. awesome.
0: Oh so, uh, cool. so magic does some extra cool stuff in packs every now and then. Um so but that when they started doing it, they actually like hid power nine in Zendikar booster packs remember, back in like twenty twenty eleven or something, twenty ten. A long time ago. It was but you know the the enchanted foils being a major part of not only the uh, collectability of the game but also as as just like something that every single person who opens a booster pack they're just rooting for that thing because yeah. it has so much intrinsic value to the people that you know really care about Lorcana myself included and i think at first i was i was opening them to try i was hoping to open them to sell them and now i'm hoping to own them forever because yeah this game has already cool. become such like a big part of my life. This Tinkerbell giant fairy, I'm, I'm going to get this professionally framed and I'm going to put it somewhere in my house and I'm going to show it off because it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's my avatar. I love Tinkerbell as a character, you know, the movie hook, uh, Julie Roberts played Tinkerbell. And I saw that when I was too young to feel feelings like that. And I fell in love with Julie Roberts when I watched that movie and, uh, seeing giant, you know, Tinkerbell giant fairy, just beating up old Captain Hook and thro- tossing his ship around or whatever, uh, and it's become you know the 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 de facto uh, mascot for the Lost Boys too because
1: she's part of the Lost Boys. So I love and it, and it's also just a very good card. <laughs> it's, it's also like crazy. It's also one of the ridiculous best card. It's like one of the best things to be doing in steel, like full stop. So like, how can you ever go wrong? It's amazing.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the the two colors that uh, probably need the most help in terms of uh, viability. You know, I think that these. These colors have cool things going on, and we're just waiting for, for someone to really find what that is and to break it wide open. Uh, let's start uh, between uh, Emerald and Sapphire. Let's start with Sapphire, because Sapphire is a color that I actually have very little experience playing with, and what limited experience I do have, I thought was in a, a flawed archetype that Bowmat made, and I want to talk about that deck a little bit. But first, I want to hear your... Uh, what do you think is the best Sapphire card in all of Lorcan?
1: So it's, for me, kind of between two right now. I mean, you know, Seven Hades is very good. You know, your your, your different ramp cards are obviously very good. Um, I think Phil is incredibly strong. Let's go. He's great. He's very, very good. Training him up. But I, like... When you're playing Sapphire, like it's one of the cards that really lets you trade super high up on on whatever you're doing, makes Gramatala yeah. better, makes yes. your health, et cetera. Yeah. But I think that the best card for me that probably is is massively underplayed right now is Eye of the Fates, the item for four, Let's you quest um, for but, an extra. Yeah, it, you you it see the future. You know, it's tap chosen character or exhaust. Uh, chosen character gets plus one lore this turn. Um, and the reason that it's so powerful is the same kind of thing that we've touched on a couple times now, which is adding lore at sort of this turn that is unexpected. Immediacy. That that immediacy that is unexpected is very strong. Um, Being able to not have to commit more things to the board to help you play around the, um, the swords, to help you play around, be prepared. You can take almost any random dork, random goon, you know, flounder all of a sudden questing for two is a big deal you know and it makes your it makes your things like mickey mouse mickey mouse gaining two lore becomes a threat that's a problem right you know one a turn is pretty slow but once you get two four a turn with some of these um you know a little bit bigger characters you can get there very quickly and i think of the few decks that i've played i think It's possible that Sapphire is still a little thin yet because it just maybe needs another set. Ramp cards are generally like that. There's a lot of ramp, but if you don't have like huge payoff that's worthwhile, it might just need a little more help. Set two is going to be here before we know it, and that might be all it needs. But I really do think that Eye of the Fates, if you're playing a, a Sapphire deck as sort of a supporting color, can be very strong.
0: Yeah, I think that card's really interesting. Uh, there's also, I believe, it's an Ariel that uh, whenever you play an item, it uh, can ready it. and uh,
1: the, the who's it collector.
0: Yeah, and so uh, with Ariel, giving it and uh, giving that card an extra lore whenever a quest allows you to kind of combo off a little bit. And when you pair that with the three-cost bell that lets you play uh, items for cheaper and the six-drop uh, Maurice, Maurice, the mm-hmm. inventor, and you pair that all together and you get a nice little kind of combo looking deck. Something that you might see in a Magic the Gathering space
1: where yeah, I I, I brewed it up. It's good. It, yeah. It need again, it's a little thin yet. Yeah. It's it needs a couple more cards, but like the combo is good. You can just pop off and gain 10 lore in a turn with one card. That's cool. It's pretty good. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so um my pick for best card in Sapphire, and this is gonna be Maybe a wet blanket or whatever. Let it go, let it go. There's something about removal that can be played as a resource an inkable, five cost, unconditional removal spell that all it does give your opponent an extra ink. And I recognize that that's a pretty significant drawback, but there's essentially only two colors. That have access to direct removal, and that's Sapphire and that's Ruby. And they each have two cards that directly remove something. The two that are in uh, Ruby banish it completely, but are a little bit expensive. And the ones in uh, Sapphire do it, but they put them into the inkwell, but they're both a little bit easier on you. Uh, Nine mana Maleficent versus seven cost Hades, and the five cost Dragonfire versus five cost Let It Go. Let it go as inkable. If your opponent's not playing a deck yep. with a bunch of good targets for it, put it in the inkwell, play some minions early, get the challenge
1: You know, it's also a song, which yeah. is pretty nice. Um, Ariel can find it because it's a song. Yep. Ariel can sing it because it's a five cost song. You know, some of your other, like you can use your, 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 your Hades, ink something, and the next turn you can sing the song, ink something else. And then you still have all your resources available. It's, it's a good card.
0: Yeah, I really like it. But uh, I'm, I'm way more excited about your Maurice deck. I'm going to have to get that from you off stream and maybe play it some on Pixelborn this week.
1: It's fun. Is it great? No, because it, it needs a couple more cards. You're playing some pretty crappy items, you know, yeah. like magical and flowers and whatever. But like you can, there's a couple of Maurice decks. You know, there's one that draws. It's like a, a Maurice Ruby. It's a Sapphire Ruby. Mm-hmm. It uses Maurice plus all the items just to like churn through your deck draw a bunch of cards and then um you know every time you play your one drop thing draws a card that's not bad.
0: Yeah. All right, and now we come to the very last color which is emerald, aka green. What uh what's
1: your favorite card or what do you think is the most powerful card in emerald? <sighs> Emerald's tricky because it's like Cusco is probably the most powerful card, you know, just from what people are playing with, it's impossible to deal with. But I- from what i've played so far i actually think john silver is one of the probably most underplayed and strongest cards for emerald and i don't even know if it's close
0: all right so this is the six drop right Won't you tell everyone exactly how you're supposed to use it what you think it's going to do when you play it in a
1: game yeah so john silver when it comes into play uh and whenever it quests which is also relevant yeah um chosen opposing character gains reckless and reckless is they can't challenge
0: and they they can't quest
1: must oh sorry they can't quest and they must challenge so they're not able to 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 leverage any of their lore and they also have to challenge now a lot of the best cards that are you know great at you gaining your lore questing lilo and things like that they haven't very little power. They have very little stat line. Yeah, John Silver can come in and be like, you got to try and battle. Rumble. Yep. It is not a choice. You have to rumble if it's possible. And the fact that it can also do it every time it quests, it's a 5-5 five, five body, which is pretty good. And it's inkable, which is also not irrelevant. Any card that is inkable that has pretty good effect, it doesn't matter as much how expensive it is. right? Because your fail case on it is you're like, oh, I can't ever use this. Boom, now we have a resource, which is awesome.
0: No, I agree. I think John Silver is really cool. I haven't played it too much. I've been too infatuated with my favorite card in Emerald, which is Genie on the job! Six cost, has evasive, quest for two, and when it comes in, it bounces any character. Most of the time, you're targeting your opponent's stuff to gain a little bit of board control, but sometimes you target your own stuff to kind of reset it if it hasn't enters the uh, battlefield ability, or you're using it uh, to essentially remove the damage that you have on one of your larger characters. And uh, I've, I've done both the great effect and And the fact that it has evasive it's so good you can even use it on the first turn you get to ready with it it's a three four so it can challenge you know a rafiki or one of those smaller characters that your opponents play and your opponent can't finish it off then you get to use it as this like you know machine gun over the next few turns to just gain a bunch of lore i've absolutely loved genie on the job and i want to just like play four in every emerald deck even though it's not inkable and that's a big deal
1: you know what i i my first enchanted card that that we opened was actually Genie on the Job. Let's go. You know, I think if I had to pick a second choice, it probably would be Genie on the Job. Uh, John Silver and Genie on the Job, they go together pretty well as a top end for a deck because, again, they both do something when they come into play. You know, the evasive is just so powerful. It just... It's really an incredible card. And just... Even though it's not inkable, I think the effect is so so good. Like just evasive on a card is crazy strong in Lorcana because there's so few things that interact with it at all. You just have this perfectly safe card most of the time.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. So that was our
0: pick for uh best card in every color in Lorcana. We had no agreements, which is kind of cool, but also yeah. we just got to hear each other's thoughts on, on those cards. So that's pretty sweet as well. Uh, moving on, though, we're going to be uh, checking out a recent tournament that happened, and we're going to be posting a link to all the deck list in the show notes for you. But uh, recently, there was a, an organization called PPG, and they held a Locana tournament in Denver this past weekend and we have all the top eight lists uh so we're gonna go one by one we'll start at the bottom um and so y'all can follow along at home we'll try to put them on the screen for you uh but first up we're going to check out uh joseph trueblood's uh amber emerald deck now this amber emerald deck looks uh very aggressive and it looks like it's trying to utilize you know the really powerful one drop lilo uh who's looking at the stars along with some of these cards uh, that we've already talked about, like Cusco, General on the Job, and, or Genie on the Job, and even uh, uh, your guy, John Smith. What's the name? John something? John Silver. John, John Silver. Silver. John Silver. But uh, what do you think about this deck?
1: Um, there's some things that I really like about it, some things that I really don't like about it. Mm. Um, I think it is a pretty good take on sort of a little bit of a bigger mana version of, sorry, bigger ink like higher cost version of what you would see in the um, sort of green uh, Amber, like your, your Emerald Amber aggro deck, kind yep. of your tier zero deck. Cause you know, you fill it with Lilo's stitches, Simba's. Um, and then Emerald generally has a lot of very high lore, um, good questers, um, your Hans, your Cusco, et cetera. Um, yeah. I mean, leverage more of the tempo stuff with the genie on the job. Um, the Mother Knows Best at the top end. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of non-inkables in this deck um, more than I would generally be comfortable with.
0: I mean, that, that's that been my problem. The biggest problem for me when building with Genie on the Job is that Genie on the Job and Mother Knows Best feel like two of the best Emerald cards, but neither of them are inkable. And so yeah. the your other non-inkables has to be, you know, you have to be less than 10 other non-inkables. It has to be something like seven other non-inkables, maybe even fewer than that.
1: Yeah, and you're you're almost compelled to play kuzco when you're playing right. green like this because it is just the best thing that green is doing when you're trying to build up um a aggressive lore count because you just can't answer with anything um i really like the inclusion of rapunzel here same um along with jasper jasper is a very good anti card, and when you combine jasper with rapunzel it's just very miserable to be on the other side of that um I wonder if there's a version of a list like this that just goes a little bit, leans harder into the go big strategy, where you, you still have like those Jaspers, the Rapunzels, um, you know, leaning into like the John Silvers and the Genies, to just really bully your opponent and then finish them off with some of those higher, uh, ink cards. But it it definitely a very good uh, aggressive deck for sure.
0: All right, uh, next up, seventh place is from Hung Lee. Uh, this is a Ruby Amethyst uh, control deck, and uh, there's a few card choices in here that uh, I wouldn't mind getting your opinion on. So, there's a uh, five cost Goofy. It's a three four with evasive. The quest for two, and is inkable. What's your opinion of this card?
1: Um, so, I've played Goofy and I've played Pongo to uh, you know in different lists. I generally lean more towards the the four drop Pongo because um, yep. it is able to still gain the two lore, and it also has the evasive. But in this case, it is a concession to the fact that you need to be able to challenge opposing evasive creatures. Um, so uh, Tinkerbell is, is pretty common, the four drop Tinkerbell in yep. Emerald, which if you I've been really um,
0: liking that card lately, actually, it, it's
1: very good. It's very, very good. And there's not a lot of other ways other than like Dragonfire, be prepared, you know, the Maleficent Dragon, like your big answers to dealing with that. Um, So it is both a reasonable threat in the control matchups, but also is a good defensive card against the opposing uh, evasive uh, sort of strategies.
0: Yeah, I actually I'm a big fan of Pongo just because it is one cost cheaper. And if you're trying to be evasive and aggressive, I do like that better than Goofy. But I mean, if you want to play an evasive deck and you play both of them, you can be more low to the ground in your secondary color and just like run that. I think that's pretty good um moving on we see a lot of the the same big stuff in this ruby amethyst deck that we're used to seeing but i want to take a moment and talk about some of the things we haven't seen too much of and for me that's mickey mouse brave little taylor the acos mickey this one is a five five the quest for four and has evasive this is basically shiv and dragon it is
1: enormous it is enormous and it is the only card in the first chapter that naturally quests for four right Um, it's the biggest evasive thing that you can make without any sort of modifications. It's huge. Yeah. Um, It seems ripe for like a Dragon's Fire or some other
0: bounce or spot removal spell. And perhaps that is something that holds it back over time because it doesn't have, um, you know, natural protections like Ward or an Inner's play ability like Maleficent 9. And so, you know, that might be something that holds it back. But it's certainly an awesome card
1: they have played control decks that have had the full four for BLT, mm-hmm. and it is the best card against steel. All steel variants, they cannot deal with it. It is yeah, just choose them up so strong. They have to use three cards to deal with it. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: it it is just miserable. It gets inked a lot. Um, sure, even, even eight drops in, will
0: nine drop. Maleficent gets inked a lot too from on my side. Exactly.
1: So. Um, in this in a deck like this, it will get inked most of the time. But it is a very strong play, just as a follow-up to be prepared. Um, you know, it closes the game out real quick. So it is, it is a very strong card there. Um, it, it has lost favor um, to Elsa, but again, Elsa can't be inked. So it, usually there's a, a trade-off there with it.
0: All right, uh, moving on uh, for their next deck. This is sixth place. This is Brandon Bremont's Steel Amethyst. Now, uh, Steel Amethyst is not something I've seen too much uh, paired together. So Let's talk about a little bit what th- this color combination lends to each other. Uh, first off, I want to say that uh, White Rabbit's Pocket Watch with Tinkerbell, Giant Fairy, is maybe the most terrifying thing I can think of playing against if I'm an aggressive deck.
1: Um, it is also, you know, the Pocket Watch with Prince Eric is very good. You know, it it becomes... A Rafiki that you can, um, that you can ink, which is very good. Right. Um, you know there is a lot of combos like the F- Doctor Facilier with your pocket watches the- can nah. allow you to turn any any ridiculous card into this. Like I throw it down, I do the thing, and then I put it back in my hand. Like yeah.
0: and then you can do it really again next turn. Right.
1: And you can do it again next turn. Um, it is. So the reason that they're leaning towards uh, amethyst with steel uh, is actually beast specifically beast hardheaded. Yeah. Um. It just dump trucks the mirror if right. the mirror is you know your your opposing control decks.
0: Yeah, you're if, trying if, you're trying to blow up your opponent's uh magic, magic mirrors, mirror. magic exactly. mirror, and sometimes pocket watch if it's freebie.
1: Sometimes right. pocket watch. You know when you have enough beasts, you you yeah. you kill their mirrors or whatever. But essentially, your game plan against your, your normal uh, opposing aggro decks or mid-range decks is about the same for the, for the two decks. You know, you, you leverage your grab your sword, you leverage your Tinkerbells to sort of bully them around a little bit. Um, and then you just play Elsas and, you, you know, your big cards to sort of close out the game. But against the control matchups, you're, you're just relying on burying them with beasts. You know, right. you destroy their things, you play your magic mirrors, you just draw cards. they can't draw cards. It doesn't really matter what you do. Control matchups where one one player's drawn six extra cards, eight extra cards uh it, it's it's just not reasonable at all. It's very one sided
0: uh another thing that steel adds to this deck is some cheap interaction, and yes. uh you know smash the three cost deal three that's inkable is a great steel card because it answers essentially anything like. Smash is one of the reasons why my majority of three drops, when I run out of things with good abilities, are just the three fours, like Wardrobe, uh, Mickey Mouse, Steamboat Captain, because these are three drops that have like a high toughness and still have good power, and they dodge Smash, and I, to me that's a huge deal uh, yeah. for for of purposes, and uh, they also you know don't get waxed by Rafiki, you know, like some of the other three drops do as well.
1: Yeah, um, and Smash is a good answer to the evasive cards such as your Tinkerbells and your Pongos. Yeah. It's a clean one-for-one. One. It also deals with Ariel uh before it's able to sing which that's a good is point. very relevant
0: yeah and uh and steel also adds a little more uh, like i said cheap interaction in the form of the challenger characters Capital duelist and, and prince eric both just giving you um you know something you can play on the first few turns and then you just refuel with maleficent sorceress uh friends on the other side and the queen all drawing a bunch of cards as the game progresses that's yeah. kind of the nature of the deck you want to Make sure you stall out your opponent early, and then you just kind of ride your card advantage uh, over the next few turns. Uh, But you also have some cool combos in there, like uh, Baby Tinkerbell getting shifted on Tinkerbell Giant Fairy, you know, and uh, grab your sword with some songs and some ping damage from Tinkerbell, just giving you the big sweepers. So a lot to like about this here uh, Steel and Amethyst deck.
1: Next up, You notice they don't have to play Rafiki because they do get to play Prince Eric, which is a cheaper card. It's inkable. You know, There's a better ink-to-non-ink ratio in this deck than most of the Amethyst uh, and Ruby decks.
0: All right, next up we're going to be looking at an Amber Amethyst Aggro deck, and this comes from Sam Cahill. That's a name that I've actually heard before from Magic, I think. Uh, But this deck is essentially a very low-to-the-ground, aggressive deck that's trying to uh, lure you out as quickly as possible. It looks like we're playing... Oh, never mind. I thought we were playing the eights. One. Oh, I love
1: this. this Never mind, this is awesome. way
0: more mid rangey. right, why don't you tell us about this deck?
1: This deck looks great. Um, so this is a... It is pretty low to the ground. Um, it is leveraging things like You Have Forgotten Me to uh, make your opponent discard cards. It does have some of the higher-end stuff with um, like the Stitch Carefree Surfer as sort of your, your later game payoff. But it, it, it's kind of just a more aggressive version of the uh, Play Big Butts Draw cards with Rapunzel, refill your hand with friends on the other side. You know, a, a, a secret sleeper is Smee. Um, I love Smee. Two five? five. Two Enormous. five. Enormous. What are you going to do against a two five? You can't like, challenge
0: that. You can't kill it.
1: His butt is huge. And like, what do you, what do you, you know, quest? And then he just smashes in, hits your thing. Rapunzel draws cards. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It is not hard to get buried in cards if you let them Rapunzel two or three times. Yep. Um, And because it has a very uh, high inkable count, I mean, if you look, the only things that are non-inkable are the Part of Your World, which is a song, which they can sing with like half their cards, Rafiki, which is amazing, and then a couple of Elsa's. It's not bad. You can ink almost everything in here and just have a pretty smooth game plan. I like it.
0: Yeah, uh, it seems uh, much more mid-rangey than I was expecting, but using things like Rapunzel with Smee makes a lot of sense because you just get a a lot of high toughness bodies. And uh, being more defensive with Dr. Facilia to drop the challenges is pretty cool. Rafiki, that's mostly there to challenge your opponent's characters. Uh, you know, uh, an emphasis on the uh, higher toughness, I think, is pretty cool. Higher willpower. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to be moving into the top four. This one's going to come from you from Ryan Miles. This is Emerald Amethyst. This one's a little bit hard to see, but I'm going to zoom in a little bit so I can get a better idea Uh, So one thing I'm seeing right off the bat is Magara, the two drop from Emerald. uh, That's a two one that uh, allows you to give uh, plus two strength to one of your characters. And that essentially allows it to challenge and banish a character that it might not otherwise be able to challenge. And uh, this is a card that I've really liked in my Emerald and uh, Sapphire deck. For making things like Mickey Mouse Detective better, but what do you think about using it in a deck like this? So things like Rafiki can trade up. Maybe your Olafs that are one threes for one can do something serious to your opponent's characters in the early turns.
1: Um, I, this this deck looks awesome. Um, I've so I I've played a version of this deck um, to some pretty okay success. Uh, the the color combo here, the Emerald plus Amethyst. You're really not getting a ton out of Amethyst, but the cards that you do get are. Very, very strong. Pascal is not to be underestimated in these sort of aggro decks. Pascal's great. Pascal having evasive, like, you know, you you think Lilo is very strong, right? Lilo, you know, it it can gain your two pretty consistently, but a lot of times it dies if you don't immediately have some support for it. I've seen Pascal's pretty comfortably get like five because they just stick around forever. As long as you're still playing stuff, it's hard to deal with them.
0: No, it is. Um, Uh, What I like is that against an opposing evasive character like Pongo, you can use Magara to actually trade up because it yeah. has evasive, so you can actually use it as evasion protection. Uh, you know, it seems like Emerald has a couple of different ways. Emerald and Ruby, in the starter deck specifically, had a bunch of different ways to, to pump your character's strength on your turn before you challenge. And I found that most of them were pretty weak, but Megara was the one that I thought was the best, because it was inkable and it was a two-drop character that allowed some of your ones to trade up in some spots uh when you get to like five ink so you can kind of double spell more often so big fan of magara big fan of pascal uh the rest of the deck has a lot of the things we talked about when we were discussing the colors in general uh mother knows best has a great song with uh, maleficent sorceress and a three drop uh rafiki to challenge uh jasper as like a you know high toughness character that can really punish your opponent uh if they're trying to be heavy on questing we have uh hans which quest for three we have a lot of things at quest for three we have mad hatter Cusco, and hans yeah. and so we're essentially trying to leverage these high questers with things like mother knows best and genie on the job to just keep your opponent off kilter off balance so that you can just burn them
1: out basically um also of note you you have some of the better evasive cards you know you have the forecast tinkerbell um tinkerbell most helpful is just very good at yeah. coming so down on the board pongo plus a huge extra does. ability Exactly. You know, Peter Pan is not terrible there either. Yep. And you, you have like the the lower to the ground, you know, your Flynn Riders and your Cheshire Cats that, you know, maybe they don't get a ton of extra lore. But you can very easily by the time you get to your Hanses and your Kuzcos, be at 10 or more lore. It doesn't take that long to close the game when you're just slamming three, three, three. It, it is generally very good. And that's what Emerald does the best. And I think this is a pretty good, a pretty good take on it for sure.
0: Ah, me too. All right, uh, next up, we're going to move on to third place. This is Brooks Clark. This is Steel Amethyst. This is uh, not, this is, you know, we talked a little bit about a different variation, Uh, but this build I'm looking over, and the thing that stands out to me for this one is the four-cost Captain Hook, that returns Fire the Cannons back from your uh, Mm -hmm. graveyard pile to your hand. And um, what is your opinion of Fire the Cannons and then, you know, in conjunction with the four-drop Captain Hook?
1: I hate it. And the only reason I hate it is is both of them are non-inkable. If either of them, like, okay, if the the 4-cost Captain Hook was a little bit smaller, but he was inkable, I would love it. But because they're both non-inkable, like, the card that they are not able to run is Smash, basically. Right. Because this this is your kill and cycle, you know, type of thing. I just, I like my ink count to be a little bit higher because then I have more choices, I feel. Um, but deal two damage for one is very strong. You know, it does very easily just dr- interrupt your, your play your Lilo, do your Stitch thing because now you're just playing Stitch and that's like not that great. It's fine, but it's very different. Um, what I actually like about this deck is the inclusion of four Mickey Mouse and four Magic Rooms. Yeah, um, I, I love maybe...
0: it I love it as like a card advantage package. Not even just putting stuff back in my deck, but just having Mickey plus rooms to quest or challenge yeah. and then being able to replay them and just keep using them.
1: Like, And also, Mickey isn't a terrible card just on its own. It's a 3-4 four for four that also can quest for two. That's yeah. not that bad.
0: No, it's pretty great. I, I agree. I like Mickey Mouse quite a bit. Uh, this deck, you know, it uses uh, a lot of four drops for my taste. Um, Han's... You know, it's great for doing some chip damage. It allows your brooms and things like that to trade up. It allows for Captain Hook Forceful Duelist to be able to, like, attack into essentially a four uh, woodpower minion and then trade it with Hans. Um, You know, you can do a lot of uh, spray damage with grab your sword and Tinkerbell and then use Hans to kind of quest and finish stuff off. So Hans definitely pretty sweet with all of the direct damage that the deck can do. Uh, But, you know, other than that, we're just seeing our normal uh, Amethyst Fair with Ursula's, Elsa's card draw, things yeah. like that.
1: For for my money on a deck like this, I'd prefer not to do the the fire the cannons and the Captain Hook and go Same. for Smash and Prince Eric because they're income. And goons. They, if you need protection
0: yeah. from the one cost cards, just play goons. That's what I've been exactly. talking about. And if
1: you're if you're in steel like you already have Captain Hook, which is a good anti, you know, Simba card or whatever. You that can just plus play Rafi- literal goo. Yeah.
0: That plus Rafiki plus Captain Hook plus Prince Eric, all a decent anti-agra package. Yeah. I think Fire the Cannons is a trap.
1: I think it is as well. Again, if Captain Hook was inkable, I think it'd be totally fine and it would be much better. But when you know you're you're seven cards in just to get more deal two damage, like I don't know how many shocks I really need in my life. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right, moving on to the second place deck. This is gonna be A Jonathan Ball with another Ruby Amethyst Strategy. Uh, This black and red deck uh, looks like it's uh, pretty standard fares and everything that's popping out to you as like, oh, that's a nice inclusion. I'm seeing the two cost Gaston.
1: Gaston is great. I think Gaston with the Pocket Watch is awesome. Um, The card that sort of jumps out at me that some of the other lists had not been running is one Shield of Virtue, which I think is very good. Um, For my money, I think the Ursula's Cauldron is a trap. I I did too. I, I, you know, I've played with Sensei's
0: Divining Top and Magic before. I I know that like deck manipulation is good sometimes.
1: It can be, but I just, it doesn't draw cards. It can't be inked. Like,
0: there's a lot, there's a lot to dislike. But a singleton copy, you know, it's one thing to play Ursula's Cauldron and you draw two of them because once you have two running, you're just like down two cards, even though you're filtering. One one feels
1: better for sure.
0: Yeah. And it's something that like could be helpful really early for smoothing out your draw, making sure you're finding the, The early, uh, you know, uh, Maui's to like challenge your opponent's stuff, Uh, and you know that that, I think that's just like a very important part of the archetype as a whole is just making sure you have the right answer at the right time. So I I see why the Ursula's Cauldron's there, but I agree, I, I don't think it's very good either.
1: I will make one note about this list that I do like a lot, and I think is probably pretty close to the optimal configuration is two Mickey Mouse and three brooms has been tested quite a bit online on Pixelborn. yeah um, and it's a pretty good like you can go up to four brooms as well. three or four is fine yeah um, but the two Mickey Mouse is like the right number because it allows you to do that sort of pocket watch plus Mickey plus broom and then you can also shuffle it back in and do it again later. Um, but it gives you enough enough of them in there that you can find them and and really get uh, advantage there and I think that's a good inclusion in this.
0: All right, last up, we're going to be talking about the winning deck. This is the Amber Steel deck from one Anthony King. I tweeted this list on uh, Sunday morning after I saw the deck list and stuff. And honestly, people seem to really like this archetype and this deck in general. Uh, So, what is your take of this build? I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I'll let you start.
1: Um, I like it, but there are a few cards that I would shift around a little bit. Um, I Captain Hook is kind of mid to me in a in an aggressive deck because, again, it's just like a one-two. You could just add the fourth goon and take out a Captain Hook. I think that would be fine here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're going to play the Tinkerbell package, I just want them all because it's just like the most broken thing ever. But um, <laughs> And also, like, the fact that you can shift it and sing with either of the things makes it even better for shifting. So then I really like the two-four-three-drop. Um I don't know. I don't. I don't hate it at all. I think it's a, a pretty, uh, a pretty clean list, and I can see why it would have done well against the second place player for sure. Um, they don't. They only had a three Rafikis, and that's kind of something that you really need to try and challenge what they're doing. Um, you know, you vomit out cards with uh, rockstar and do rockstar stuff, and it's good. You know, uh, when
0: I first started messing around with. Uh, Amber and Steel together. It was specifically so I could use Ariel with a whole new world and I could sing on turn four. And the moment that I realized that that was what I wanted to do, deck construction becomes much easier. And you you realize that you want to basically just make everything in your deck very cheap so that by the time you're casting the song, your hand is mostly empty, if not completely empty. And your opponent is usually left with four plus cards in hand because they're just not built to spray the board like you. You want to go one drop into double one drop into aerial into use four ink on turn four, either pre or post a whole new world. You want to basically use all of your ink on that turn. And uh, and I think that one of the coolest things about this build is that it is doing exactly that. It's not quite doing it as, as as aggressively as I would like, but it's it's very close. And this is like pretty similar to what I've been working on uh, in, in my builds. Now, one thing that they're doing a little bit differently to me that I do want to touch on is that we did talk a little bit about Goon Theory. This deck is playing seven Goons with the four uh, Stitches, New Dog, as well as three of the Goons themselves. And this deck is using both Prince Eric and Hook as defensive characters. Now, sure. When you and your whole goal is to be aggressive with things like Lilo wishing on a star, you know, you want all of your cards to essentially be like protective measures for that type of thing, or to just be more virtual copies of that sort of thing so that you have maximum redundancy. But what I've actually found in the game is that having a mix between the two is actually not so bad. And especially so when every one that you play is a refresh and when I say that, I mean when you're playing Stitch Rockstar, playing a Prince Eric or playing a Captain Hook is basically the same as any other one- or two-cost card because all you care about is raw number of casts. And we, we've seen this in other auto-battlers that we've played, like uh, Storebook Brawl, where you know as long as you cast anything, it's better than casting nothing because the, it chains into more stuff. And the defensive things can oftentimes give you ways early on to pressure your opponents things that are slightly larger than yours and actually buy yourself some time to be able to get to your late game engine with A Whole New World and with Stitch Rockstar. And I think maybe playing uh, Hook and Prince Eric is probably a little too much. But if in a year you come back and you say it's obvious, obvious we should be playing these eights, challenger characters to beat opposing Simbas, then I'll be like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But I just haven't played a raw high enough number of games to determine if I should be playing Prince Eric, or if I should just be playing a 2-mana 2-3 Mickey or Minnie Mouse. You know, that 2-3 sure. Minnie Mouse has been fine for me, and 3 three uh, Willpower has been quite good. So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I'm not really into Tinkerbells in this build, because I'm just trying to empty my hand. And I think Rockstar, Whole New World, and emptying your hand and i actually like hades in this build because hades just can keeps up the pressure over and over again and on turn five or six a lot of times you go hades get back a lilo and play it and you're just threatening so much lore on the next turn
1: yeah i i I have come across that build a few times and it's just rocked me because getting back lilo and just sticking it on the board like they're adding three to the thing next turn no matter what you do really um i think if you are going to commit to the tinkerbell thing i think you should go four and four um because i i do feel that yeah. if you're going for it like you just want that to be your turn four or the aerial right one or the other right. you can always sing with the tinkerbell which I, I also think is pretty nice like it sings the swords which you know we talked about that earlier tinkerbell and the sing swords is just the biggest blowout <laughs> that you're not expecting three damage to everything It kills aerials it kills your prince Eric's. So it's just deletes everything
0: yeah look Um, there's a good chance that combining those two things for this build is great and i should be leaning into that because i do think
1: depends on the mirror you know are you going to fight the mirror a lot that would break the mirror wide open it's also
0: important to note like six cost tinkerbell and three cost tinkerbell are both inkable and so if they don't fit in your highly aggressive curve you can just play them as ink and if they are Fine on curve, like you have both in your hand, then you could play towards that, especially if your opponent is aggressive. And so you give yourself the ability to play the grab your sword game and the whole new world game basically just by fitting in the Tinkerbell package. So maybe that's the secret, and maybe that's what I need to work towards. Maybe maybe Hades is a thing of the past. I know Be Our Guest is not good. I, that card's not been in my deck yet, and it, it never will yeah, be. Yeah,
1: the, the idea of Be Our Guest, it, like, I like it in theory with Ariel, right? You just, you're adding more songs to your deck, you might have more hits. Yeah. You know, you, we always hate the, uh, the Augur Bolas to look at the top three cards, put them on the bottom. I don't really and care, though, when I'm
0: singing a uh, whole new world. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't really care about missing a card.
1: It, it's like a real card <laughs> on its own. You right. Know, it's very different. Like, it does other stuff. If you hit a card, great. If not, it's like, eh, that's unfortunate, but it doesn't matter that much. But I look at a deck like this and I think about the, you know, that sort of big butt version of what I was playing um, with with this color combo. And it's got the Captain Hooks, it's got the Prince Eric's, it's got the Aerial, the the Tinkerbell, plus the Swords. Like, that whole, this deals with opposing aggro very well. Maybe there is something here to just be like a hybrid, you know, you can go low where low is good, or you can go a little bit bigger and the mid-range stuff if that's where you need to be. Right. Maybe there's something super to it.
0: No, I think so too. All right, uh, so that's going to do it for our PPG Top 8 Breakdown. Uh, We have the links to all the deck lists we just talked about in the show notes. Make sure to check them out if you're interested in seeing the full versions. Uh, Next up, we're going to be moving on to my favorite segment, and that's Card of the Week. Uh, so card of the week, uh, we just started doing this last week. Um, I don't even remember what I did last week, but I think it was Ursula because, uh, Ruby Amethyst did super well. And I believe Matt's was be prepared, but it might've been nine mana Maleficent. Things are changing. The, the meta game is kind of sh- taking shape. I know that you, you know, playing on the pixel ladder, just have a ton more experience playing physical games. So what do you think is your card of the week? And give us a why.
1: I think that the current card of the week is probably a whole new world. Um, A
0: whole new world!
1: A whole new world, you know, it's that. that sort of everybody dumps their hand and and will equalize it out and draw seven cards. Well, it never really feels very equal uh, when your opponent is doing it, especially when they're singing it with Ariel. Um, It feels pretty bad a lot of times when you're on the other side of that, uh, because especially when combined with things like the... Uh, the lantern. Uh, I've been seeing that as a combo a lot more, where now all of a sudden they're able to play even more things um, as a follow-up after they uh, draw their their brand new hand. And I've been running into that deck a lot more. And honestly, I've not been winning all the games that I had been winning previously. You know, we just looked at the top eight deck that was leveraging it just the same. Um, you know, Stitch Blitz has been doing that as well, and I think that it's becoming more and more popular as a a two-card color combo where you're just singing the singing the whole new world. You
0: know, uh, it's almost like a Destiny, perhaps uh, an Epiphany, perhaps whatever the word is, but my card of the week is the natural pairing to Whole New World and it's Ariel, spectacular singer! And honestly, wh- the moment I talked to Beaumat and he said, oh yeah, you play the three-cost Ariel, you use it to sing Whole New World, and I was just like, we could do that. That's a thing we can do. It's like that seems great. Yeah. So how? And so not only do we have that as a refuel engine, but we also have, you know, Stitch Rockstar and this this two color combination. I think at least for the time being, uh, Ariel into Whole New World is is changing everything. And you know, this is a combination that's extremely powerful, but only if you leverage it correctly by emptying your hand. And if you can do that, great. Uh, if you can't, you're gonna oftentimes be on the, uh, the butt end of something really bad happening to you on the next turn because your opponent also gets those seven cards, and they're pretty
1: powerful I hear. You know, and it ends up being, like, sneakily very good against control. I mean, you think about Be Prepared, Maleficent Dragon, they cost a lot, and they're just going to sit in your opponent's hand until they're great. If you're dumping a whole new world, you might just be getting rid of their few answers that they have in their 60-card deck to even stop what you're doing. Right. All right, so that was Cut of the
0: Week. All right, uh, that's going to basically be a big wrap for episode number four of the Lost Boys podcast. Uh, Jeebus, I want to take a moment and just say a big thank you for not only playing against me earlier this week on Lost Boys Versus, but also for stepping in uh, for the podcast this week. It was a lot of fun talking to you.
1: Absolutely. I, I love talking about the competitive side of games. I love talking about the future and just the the whole idea of just shooting it to figure out, like, is this good? Why is it good? What does it seem like? What are some options? How do we deal with it? I love it. It's one of my favorite things, and it's something that I do on the stream a lot as well, and, you know, I, I'll always come on here. You, you just let me know. You know where to find me.
0: <laughs> All right. Appreciate you uh so much. And uh for those at home, just want to say uh, you know, we're looking forward to to collabing with a lot of the Pixelborne creators in and the uh Lorcana creators in the space. And uh if you're interested in doing some work together, either playing some matches against us on stream or for YouTube, make sure to reach out. You can find our handles uh in the description below. I'll make sure to link uh Jeebus's Twitter as well as Twitch and I'll do the same for mine. Um I will be streaming Pixelborn myself uh, a decent amount over the next few weeks. I want to essentially get really familiar with the program. I think that there's a chance that we might end up doing some tournaments on Pixelborn at some point in the near future. We'll have to work out some of the bugs maybe that are in the program first, or we'll have to come up with some guidelines for if weird stuff happens like crashes and stuff, because that's been happening. But it's a functional program. Uh, It's a way to play Lorcana where you have access to all the cards, and you get to try out a bunch of different stuff it's really great uh we've been using it a bunch and i really like it we'll have a link to the pixelborn discord in the show notes as well and you can learn how to play pixelborn yourself if that's something you're interested in um well that's gonna do it i'll just say beggarang from tandy the lost boys thank you to, to Jeebus for being on and we'll see you next time that's gonna be it